Well, hello everybody, and happy, happy Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday, and I'm excited to be able to share with you. As a church, we've been going through the journey of Lent together. In the last six weeks, we've been looking at the days following up to Jesus' death on a cross. And I don't know about you, but it's been a sobering experience for me to be able to go through Lent together. It's been so powerful, so challenging, so humbling, life-giving, and I'm thankful for these last weeks and for what Jesus has been doing amongst us here at local. And last week, we're reminded of Jesus' sacrifice on a cross, how all death debts had been cleared. As he suffered in agony, as he hung there alone, God reached down his hand, gathered all the sins of man, and placed it on his son, Jesus. And Jesus became the sin center of the universe so that it could be said, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in that awful loneliness of Calvary, Jesus made his soul an offering for us all. The sin of the world was placed upon him, and the bolt of God's wrath was released on him, and he became the offering for our sin, and he died. What the people around saw was a man hanging limp, every bone out of joint, a swollen tongue protruding from his mouth. From burning lips he cried with his final breath, it is finished. And he bridged the gap between us and God the Father again, centuries of separation with one act restored. Where the relationship was broken, he stepped in to repair and restore and fill the gap. He became the bridge for us back to the Father again. And the temple curtain that was separating us from God's most holy place, the curtain that shielded us from seeing God face to face, the cloth that was hung that kept us apart from the Father's presence, the curtain that represented centuries of separation from Him ever since Adam sinned was ripped from top to bottom. The debt to pay for an all-access pass to the Father was paid in full. And the curtain, by the way, was a pretty rad curtain. It was as thick as the size of a man's hand, the width of a man's hand. Now, obviously, that's a weird way to measure things because it's like, how big is this man? But it was about four inches thick, um, 60 feet high, 30 feet wide. It had purple and blue and scarlet yarn and a gold and white thread. And these beautiful army angels were sort of embroidered on it, kind of like the ones that were put in place in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis. And Josephus said that he believed that the colors of the curtain represented the colors of the universe. There was a universe-sized gap between us and God. Have you tried to cross the universe lately? Maybe if you're one of the proclaimers, you know, if I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more. And even then, that wouldn't even cross the gap that divided us and God. I mean, I guess they were twins, so maybe you can like double it. And then I guess it's like 2,000 miles. I don't know. There's not many uh, twin twin bands anymore, is there? There's a market in the gap. If you're twins... Maybe it's time to get into music. Anyway, there was a, there was a gap that was 
so big that we couldn't cross the size of the universe. The cross was the bridge so that we could cross that gap. And it's interesting that the curtain was torn and ripped from top to bottom. It was God's initiative from heaven to earth. He sent his one and only son. Jesus, God's only son, became the bridge. And now we have access to a relationship with the Father again. Praise God. Amen. So what happens next? What happens on this Easter Sunday? He was dealing with sin once for all, yes. He was dealing with the old curse that was over us, that led us to death. Amen. He was bridging the gap between us and the Father again. Hallelujah. But he was doing much more than that. They took him down from that cross. His body was laid in the tomb. The stone was rolled over it. It was sealed shut. Guards were posted in front of it. And Jesus' friends and all those who put their trust in him were sad. They were upset. They were distraught. Their rabbi had been slain. He was dead. And I was trying to think of an analogy just to like bring this point home, but there really isn't an analogy that would even come close to the pain that there was when Jesus went to the cross. I mean, like the, I mean, I think of the classic nineties movie Homeward Bound when Peter thought his dog shadow was dead. Sally and chance came bounding over the, over the hill. And, and, and where was his beloved golden retriever shadow? He was, where was he? He thought he was dead. But honestly, all of those analogies, even though I cry in that movie every time, they fall short. The disciples were distraught. They didn't know what was going on at the time. But the veil of revelation has now been drawn back and we're told by Paul that something was going on in the darkness of that awful hour. In his letter to the Corinthians, or to the Colossians rather, he wrote a lot of letters, but his letter to the Colossians, we read that Jesus was destroying evil principalities and powers of this world and making a show of them openly. He was tying a chain around the neck of the demonic world and he was dragging them across the stage of the cosmos. He was saying there's a new king in town. He went down to death and Hades and he made his announcement in the depths of hell. You tried to kill me. You tried to get rid of the author of life. And through the authority of what had just been accomplished on Calvary, he confronted Satan. And Satan, shaking in his boots, said, I've been waiting 4,000 years for you. I was there in the Garden of Eden. I was the one that they told that someone was going to come along and crush my head. And Jesus came down. He confronted the enemy and he said, with all his power and might and authority, what you heard back then in the garden was true. I'm here to crack some skulls. I am the promised king. I am the prophesied Christ. I am the son of God. And I think you have something that belongs to me. You see those keys labeled death and Hades? Hand them over. I'll take those keys. And as God King, as the one who had been given all authority, as God's delegated sovereign, he proclaimed, I'm in charge now. You see, he didn't only die for our sins. He went down into the depths of hell and he dealt with death and sickness and the enemy once for all. And Satan handed him the keys. He dealt a death blow to the enemy. And he holds the keys to life and death forevermore. And we need to understand that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him through his death and resurrection on the cross. 
The enemy no longer has power because of what Jesus accomplished on that day. Many people live in fear of the enemy when, when Jesus is saying, I've become the bridge to live alongside me and my father so that you don't have to live in fear no more. I'm the bridge of life. I'm the bridge to peace. I'm the bridge to security. C.S. Lewis says he has forced open the door that has been locked since the death of the first man, Adam. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. And then on the third day, after he had died, it says in the Bible in Matthew 28, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they'd become like dead men. But the angel of the Lord told the angel told the women, "Don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. I love this because these women were the first pe people in history to preach the gospel. The gospel, the good news that Jesus is risen. Verse 9, it says, Just then Jesus met them and said, Good morning. I love that. The resurrected Christ, the one who is the king of all, just so real with them. Good morning. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. And again, this falls short, but just like when Peter was waiting for a shadow to come through over the mountain and homeward bound, thought all was lost. Suddenly, shadow appears over that hill. And I know when I watch it, and when we watch this family, just tears streaming down our faith. They thought he was dead, but he was alive. The good news for us today is that Jesus is risen. Jesus rose up out of that grave in triumph. And this is good news. This is the good news of the gospel that we read throughout the New Testament. Jesus was raised from the dead. J.C. Ryle says the resurrection of Christ is one of the foundation stones of Christianity. It was the seal of the great work that he came on earth to do. It was the crowning proof that the ransom he paid for sinners was accepted. The atonement for sin accomplished. The head of him who had the power of death bruised and the victory won. The faith we now profess doesn't stop at the cross. The good news we see in scripture goes beyond the cross to his resurrection, that he is risen. Paul put it perfect. Paul put it perfect. I can't even talk. Paul puts it perfectly in his letter to the Romans. In Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, not on the cross, although that's part of it, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. 
The cross paid the price, but Paul lays it out plainly that our faith is in fact that we believe without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was raised from the dead. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The curse of sin is broken. The captives are set free. Jesus Christ won the victory. Jesus Christ conquered sin. He is risen. Paul writes to the Corinthians, If Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is useless, and you are still dead in your sins. Paul's not messing around. As frank as he was about our faith being useless, if we don't believe in Jesus' resurrection, Paul was also just as frank of him being alive when he then went on to write, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. You see, a lot of Jesus' friends and family didn't believe who he was until after the resurrection. All the disciples ran away, and uh, a lot of his brothers doubted him, even the ones who saw him perform miracles, and they finally believed that he was the Son of God when? After his resurrection, when he came to appear to them, when they could touch his hands and see the scars in his hands and the, the holes in his hands and the scar in his side. This was the sign that he was who he said he was, the Messiah, the one that they were waiting for, not just another prophet, not just another mystic, not just another man claiming to be someone, but the actual Son of God. He is risen. And for us this day, it's just as important for us because it means that all that we read in scriptures and all that he did actually happened. He is the son of God and he is who he says he is. So when I read the scriptures, when I look at the miracles, the sign and wonder, when I say that, when he says that I can have peace beyond understanding, when he says that he loves me, I believe it because he's, he's the, the son of God. He rose from the dead. He bridged the gap and he holds in his hand resurrection power. And whatever we face, we know we serve a God who faced the worst of the worst of the worst enemies and defeated death. So what do we fear? Our Savior has been risen. And if we believe in his resurrection, then we also believe that Jesus is alive today. If we believe he is alive, we must believe that he is still moving in the lives of ordinary, everyday people here in April 2023. All that we read of him is still the same today as he was back then, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still healing bodies. He's still working miracles. He's still restoring families. He's still raising the dead. He's still touching hearts. He's still full of power and love. He's still the enemy skull crusher. He's still, the, he's still speaking to his people. He's still causing the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. He's still the storm stopper, the chain bait breaker, the wave walker, the religious silencer. He's still the great challenger, the peace proclaimer, and he's still the worker of miracles. Paul, the Marys, and the disciples weren't the only ones to testify this to this. Sounds like a 70s band. Paul, the Marys, and the disciples. It probably was a Christian 70s band, let's face it. It was all a bit cheesy back then. But many of us in this room, you know, watching this right now, 
not only believe because the Bible tells us, but because we have testimony to the risen Savior in our life. We believe a thousand percent that He still works miracles, that He still heals bodies, that He still restores brokenness, that He says who He says He is. I have story after story after story in my life where I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus had moved in my life. Stories of healing, migraines, gone in Jesus' name. I used to have terrible migraines back in the UK. Terrible, like almost Alex will say, like it felt like every month. But Jesus healed me. Prayers being specifically answered. God moving in situations that we called on him for. Miracles of provision and finance, of jobs and and ways being made open for us. The miracle of even us coming to Canada, I mean, is a story in and of itself for another day. He is alive right here, right now. And some of us need to be reminded that he became the bridge to all of those good things so that we can experience his presence each and every day. And you might be watching this and you think, Caleb, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure about that. God hasn't showed up for me for a while, actually. I've been praying for years. I've been in pain for months. But today, my prayer is that faith will rise up as we're reminded of his resurrection power. You see, I think a lot of us park up at the cross, and, and that's right to do so. But we, we, we forget that he is the resurrected king. That, yeah, we lay everything down at his feet. Yes, we lay our sin down at his feet. Yes, we are crucified with Christ, as Paul says that we are to die to ourselves, but we need to understand that he has raised us up. That whatever we thought was dead in a tomb, sealed shut for what seems like an eternity, a canyon that we could never cross, the things that we've given up on, whatever gold, golden retriever like Peter and Homeward Brown that we thought was dead, that today we can know him as the crucified resurrected king you see the gospels as we read this was the gospel that they proclaimed that he was the resurrected king they were witnesses to the fact that was the good news that he had been risen and i believe now sometimes our gospel falls short in just stopping at the cross and hear me right that is so powerful that is so right to do but we need to preach a gospel that he is alive that he is moving now that he can move in our situation and that he will cause things to come alive again. And because he is alive, we have come alive. In Ephesians 2, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens. Romans 8:11 says, "The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you." 1 Corinthians 15:12 says, "For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive." In Colossians 3, Paul writes to the church and instructs them on how to live this new life in God, how to live alive in God, and he talks about some great things. You know, like thinking about things in heaven, putting to death sinful things. Don't be greedy. Don't get angry. Don't lie. Put on your new nature. He talks about great things. Clothe yourself in mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness. 
make allowances for each other's faults, forgive one another, uh, forgive people who offend you, clothe yourself with love, let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart, sing psalms and sim hymns and spiritual psalms. And oh, I mean, that sounds fantastic, amazing, wonderful. I want some of that. That's how I want to live. That sounds just brilliant. It sounds like a beautiful life. But Paul didn't start his teaching with these instructions on how to live. None of that life is possible without where he started that passage. He, he starts in Colossians by writing, Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on those things that I just talked about. He starts with resurrection. Since you have been raised with Christ, you can do this. In other words, you can't start to live your life by doing all these great things, trying to avoid sin or trying to be humble or patient or do this or that without understanding that we have been raised with Christ in his resurrection and he has filled us with his spirit. Many believers go on living thinking that he's still on the cross. And I think we don't live in victory because we don't fully understand day to day to day to day. It's almost like we got to preach the gospel. Somebody once said, you got to preach the gospel to yourself each and every day that he is alive. And if we believe that he is the resurrection king and he is alive, then we believe we can see those things in our life. We're, we're not going to go on struggling. Now we do go through things for sure. But understanding this will transform our lives. You know, he did say, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He even reminds us of that. I've overcome the world. I went into death in Hades. I took the keys. I bruised the head of the enemy, and I am king. And without this understanding that we have been raised with Christ in his resurrection, and he has filled us with his spirit, we won't be able to live this way. The truth is, is that he is alive in us now, and he empowers us to live in this fullness. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came that you may have life and have it in abundance. He rose again, the cornerstone of our faith. He is alive right now. And because of that, we are alive. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father, the only bridge to true life is through me. In John 11, we find the account of Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had become ill and he had died and Jesus arrives on the scene after Lazarus had died. And Martha, who's Lazarus' brother and, and Jesus' friend, comes to him and said, Hey, Jesus, if only you'd been here, you know, my, my brother wouldn't have died. And oftentimes, I think we can, we can live like that, where there's things in our life that we feel are dead, and we think, you know, if only Jesus was still walking on this earth, you know, then none of this stuff would be going on. But Jesus' response to her said, yeah, but he will be raised to the dead. No, 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 Martha, you know, I'm here right now. She says, no, no, I do believe that he will be raised from the dead on the last day. And he's like, no, 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 not on the last day. And many, many of us live like that. We think, yeah, okay, when we go to eternity, all the pain will be gone. And that is true. He will deal with death once for all. It's the last enemy to be, be defeated, it says in the Bible. But he says, no, no, no. No, I want to tell you something here, Martha. I am here right now. I'm the resurrection and the life right now. And he who believes in me will not perish. Jesus saying, I'm coming to do this now. Martha's response to the miracle is to defer the miracle to a later day which puts no demand 
on faith for the here and now. And that's how many of us can live. And when Jesus gets to the tomb of Lazarus, he tells them to roll the stone away and he yells in, Lazarus, come out. It had been four days he had been dead. It had been stinky and gross and this never, never happens. And that which they thought was dead was alive. Lazarus came out of that tomb because Jesus. And I wonder if there are things in our life that we have pronounced dead. We believe that he is God. We believe he died for us. And maybe it'll be okay one day and we keep putting off miracles and we've deferred expectation because we've forgotten the wonder of his gospel today that he is the resurrection and the life right now. Jesus is saying in this story, it's not just on the last day. It's not just for a later day. It's not just for 2,000 years ago. I am the resurrection and the life. I am here, I am alive, and I'm going to have a real-time, present-day effect on this situation. If we believe he is alive, we must be those that believe he can do that today. We don't ignore the realities of pain or sickness or having hard times. I'm not advocating for denial or mindless Christianity, but we should have the humility that the God we serve is greater than the circumstances around us. We should have the humility that the God we serve is greater than the intellect that he's given us, that his ways are higher than our ways. The Bible says all things are possible for them that believe. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move and it will move. He is not dead. He is not deaf. He is not mute. He is not distant. He is alive. He is risen. He is with you. And so it's been a wonderful, wonderful day to be reminded of the fact that he died on the cross for us. He went down into the depths of Hades and dealt with death and the enemy once for all. He tied a chain around the neck of the enemy and he said, I am in charge now. And a lot of us have to remember that. But not only that, he was risen. And that is the cornerstone. That is a cornerstone in our faith. That he is the resurrected Christ. And that is the gospel in which we proclaim as Christians. That he isn't only dead. That he didn't just die for our sins and our iniquity. Although that is powerful, we need to preach that. But we preach also that he rose again victoriously. And not only that. Is he is not only is he alive, but he is now alive in us and he can move in your life today. One of the final things that we read in the Bible is Jesus speaking in the book of Revelation to John in the first chapter, and he says, Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, now look, I am alive forevermore and I hold the keys to death and Hades. In Jesus' death, death, the Bible says that he went down and took the keys to death and Hades. He conquered our sin, and he also conquered death. And that means now we have a hope that we will live with him forever and eternity. And you might be watching this today, and you don't know Jesus. 
but I'm here to tell you today that he is alive and I can witness to the fact that he is alive in my life. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and in saying that I want him to be in charge of my life and believe in your heart, you might feel something stirring right now deep inside you, a witness that says, yes, I, I actually believe that what this man is saying, this Canadian with a, a four inch hand, I believe that he was raised from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. Believing that Jesus was raised from the dead is a vital, vital step to become a Christian. And today I'm going to pray with you. And in fact, do you know what? I'm not actually going to pray with you, Jake, because there, there is prayers that we can pray and that's right to do so. But the Bible says simply that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. It's not really a sinner's prayer. Other than this, if you would like to become a Christian today and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, just say this, Jesus, you are Lord. Just right now, wherever you are, just say, Jesus, you are Lord. And if you did that and you truly believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, the good news is, friend, that you've just become a Christian. And that bridge that was broken for eternity, that universal gap, that universe of a gap has now been filled in for you so you could have a relationship with Jesus again. Romans 4, it says, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and He was raised to life to make us right with God. You have been made with right with God today. And if that's you, then we would love to journey with you. We'll be in touch. We believe that Christianity is a team sport, that he is alive, and today you have become a part of his family. Amen.